You're listening to The Gulf Stream, where we talk to fascinating guests that want to make the Gulf of Mexico, and moreover, the world, a more sustainable and more beautiful place. Don't worry about getting bogged down in scientific jargon or academic lecturing. On The Gulf Stream, we break down complex ideas into simple yet intriguing subjects that will help you be more informed and perhaps inspire you to create a better environment for all of us. After all, it takes people like you to make a difference in some of the toughest issues facing the earth today. Welcome to the Gulf Stream. This is David Yoskowitz, Executive Director of the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies at Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. In this episode of the Gulf Stream, I talk with the one and only Carter Smith, Executive Director of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. In June, Carter announced that he would be retiring from TPWD after a 15-year career in the agency. Carter has had an invaluable impact on conservation, Texas private and public lands, connecting Texans with our state's natural resources, and the list goes on and on. It's a tremendous honor for me to be entrusted with leading the agency following his tenure. In this episode, Carter and I talk about everything from his first hunting trip, his favorite memories at TPWD, to our state's growing population and how we can engage more people in the great outdoors. I hope you enjoy this very special episode. I did. Carter Smith, Executive Director, Texas Parks and Wildlife. Welcome to the Gulf Stream. Delighted to be here. Yeah, yeah nice yeah, to see you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is the third installment of this that we've had Sylvia Earl. Oh, you had Dr. Earl. Okay, yeah, she, wow. she was, yeah, she was our terrific. first. Yeah. And yeah. then Greg Stuns was our second okay, one. Okay. Dr. So, Stuns, good. Yeah. yeah. And now, now you and I, and uh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a reason for this. Actually, you were, you were, you were on my, on my list before everything else happened, but. Uh, well, that's a pretty high bar to keep up with. I'll say that yeah. with uh, Sylvia and Greg. And so yeah. no, delighted to be with you as always. And yeah. Thrilled about passing the torch to you. And so just well, what a, Wonderful thing for the state. Well, I, I appreciate that, and and it's uh, it's an exciting opportunity for for me. And you know, like you and I have talked about, you know, for me, it's this kind of completing this arc yeah. in my career of the science to the solutions, then to the implementation, yeah. and being part yeah. of Parks and Wildlife to be on that implementation side. Well, and I love that, David. I think you know your background is just very uniquely positioned to help with that because you said just with that that bedrock background in science, and you know, to me, the Heart Research Institute has just been at the forefront about you know how we come up with science-based solutions to real problems. But having science that's applied, it's meaningful, it's okay. actionable. And so, you know, those partnerships have been rich. And so, you know, pragmatic too. Pragmatic, throw, very throw, pragmatic. Throw, throw yeah. that in no, there. No, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's obviously it's not just science for science's sake, it's solving real problems. Yeah. Um, anyway, I've always loved that about the Institute. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So let's go back, though. And I was trying to think of the first time that we met. And I don't know if you remember it. I must have been at the Nature Conservancy. You, you, you were at the yeah. Nature Conservancy, yeah. and I don't know, we were at a function, I don't know what it was, yeah. but you actually handed me your, your card from the yeah. Nature yeah. Conservancy. <laughs> I want to call you. I probably still have that somewhere. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know where it is. Yeah, I had but, more hair. I'm not sure you recognize me now. <laughs> but I think that's the first time that, that we met. Yeah. And, then, and then not shortly thereafter, you, you joined the department. Yeah, so. I think I was state director of TNC in Texas. You had been brought on as a new chair, you yeah. know, in economics. And so... In and, 
you know, had a great relationship, obviously, with the Heart Institute. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when that was just um, an idea, you know, for Ed Hart and um, and the kids, and we're, we're thinking about that. But, you know, even at TNC, we were working closely with the Institute, and yeah. I remember the discussion about bringing on an economist um, and what a critically important role that would play for the coast and um, and what a gap it was filling. And yeah. so, yeah, so anyway, fun uh, how life takes us kind of full circle here. And then so. I think early on, you we had, there was a freshwater inflows conference mm-hmm. down in Corpus Christi yeah. and you, and you spoke had attended, there. yeah, you yes. had attended that and spoke When I was there. at Parks and Wildlife, I think that yeah. was shortly yeah. after I started. That's shortly after you started. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah, gosh. I'd, I'd like and to that, say that's it. the extent of <laughs> <laughs> well, your memory is good. No, no, Mine's no, that's it. Porous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and then and then, you know, we, we got busy for a number of years. I was doing my thing. You yeah. were doing your thing. Our paths would cross every yeah, once in a while. Yeah. But um, when I became executive director of HRI and, and that's where we really started to yeah, connect. More and more, interact, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then I, yeah. and then this news article comes across or somebody, you know, f- sends me a, a, a text saying that you're stepping down. Yeah. And I was so PO because <laughs> we were just, we, you yeah. know, we were just starting yeah. to really yeah. get things moving together at that kind of executive director, executive sure. director level. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, not knowing that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. yeah. All things work out. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, I no guess doubt. so. No so, doubt. I mean, and I'm so I'm so happy to be able to be spending at least the next month and a half you and I together very closely working on this transition here at Parks and Wildlife. Anything I can do to help, as you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with anything just on that onboarding and, you know, transitional stuff, institutional knowledge for what it's worth, you know, use as little or as much of it as you want, you know, that'll <laughs> there's be your a, prerogative. There's, there's yeah. a lot there. there, there's a lot there. Um, you know, we grew up very differently uh, in different places. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up in Northern California yeah. in, the, in the mountains and yeah. in the valley up there. And you, you grew up here in, in Texas and your outdoor experience, you know, in farming and ranching. And so what connected you with the outdoors besides, you know, being on the land. Yeah. I mean, what was it that just said, okay, this is what I want to do and this is going to be my career? I mean, what? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I credit a lot of it to my grandmother on my mom's side. She really? gave me a subscription to Parks and Wildlife magazine when I was eight. Oh, yeah. You've yeah, about I may that. have told you that. And, and really, every year she was alive, she gave me that annual subscription. And I love it. Just just treasured it. And I remember my, my very first paper that I wrote in school whenever I was old enough to do that, um, you know, was on the plot of the Ocelot uh, in Deep oh, South really? Texas. Yeah. And she and my grandfather took me down to the valley. We went to uh, Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge um, and so got to see Ocelot Habitat and hear biologists talk about that. And so anyway, my first paper was 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 on that subject, you know, thanks to the magazine. My second one, interestingly enough, was also um, spawned by an article I'd read in the magazine about the big thicket in East Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and that was cool. And I, but, but I will say this, I remember giving my paper to dad and asking him to read it. And, and of course, you'll love this. Um, he, uh, he, he commented very politely. He said, well, what it, what it, what it seemed to lack in substance, it more than made up for in length. So, <laughs> you never saw that any students, did you? So, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. I think I had resorted to listing every plant that had been documented in the big thicket. You know, like, like, no, get, get, get away, yeah, get away yeah, with yeah, uh, yeah, length exactly. and not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen see, a few right, of those. Yes, you have. Yeah, nobody was fooled by that. Yeah. But you know, that, that subscription um, early on just, you know, took me to places around the state. I 
I wanted to go yeah. and see and do. We had a game warden um, there in Gonzales County that was a real role model, just a great pillar mm. in the community. Went on to be sheriff, uh, Glenn Socklaven. His brother was a game warden in, in B County, and his, his first cousin was a dear, dear friend. But Glenn, we just revered. There were a couple of parks and wildlife biologists that worked with us on the ranch and helped us with technical assistance and land management advice. Yeah. And I just thought they hung the proverbial moon um fall in their footsteps yeah you know yeah. it took a while to get there Dave, you know i don't know about you in terms of that path mine was pretty circuitous though mm -hmm. you know i was interested i knew about it but it really wasn't um until later on in college um that i recognized that that was a career path i'd be interested in following fred bryant yeah. you know who was the director at cedar clayburg wildlife research yeah. institute and was a professor at tech um, I had left school for a period of time, and he really encouraged me to come back and complete my degree at, at, at Tech, and so I credit a lot of it to Fred. And so, <laughs> uh, you, you know, whether in. he wants to take credit for that is a, a whole other different conversation. But uh, yeah. but how about you? Was there something that spawned well, your interest? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking, you know, when you talked about the magazine, Once yeah. in My Life magazine, you know, my parents, um, I think it was my parents, uh, had a subscription for me to National Geographic kids kids yeah sure yeah for a number of years yeah. so that got me you know into the outdoors yeah, the and natural world natural world but it was also you know we would i mean we'd camp a yeah. lot backpack a lot fish a lot yes. you know when i was growing up yeah and that's what really that's what really hooked me yeah and yeah. you know and a you know circuitous route to yeah. get to where i am today sure. but it was always natural resource conservation yep. that was always the goal there. i mean I've, and yep. I've had some you know stuff i've worked on in my career that didn't have to yeah. directly deal yeah. with that but always came back to yeah. it you know yeah and then i think those immersions are important don't you yeah 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 absolutely and then my time at tech um was around water you know okay. i wanted yes, to go I, right. yep. I wanted yep. to go there and i wanted to work on energy economics yep. and my major professor said well i'm working on water, water. yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. you're gonna work uh, yeah. on water yeah and but that i mean that kicked Proof off prescient a, yes yes yeah that kicked yeah. off a really important part of my career and, and it's still really important for you me, bet you yeah know, going forward and yeah, I just, uh, you know, my parents were always really um, tuned into wanting to do some, you know, conservation and environmental work for, and yeah. that rubbed off Passed on, on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I, you know, I think that's so important for all of us, you know, in terms of our introduction to the outdoors. And, you know, you think about that, about how you connect people as having a mentor, you know, whether it's yeah. mom and dad or it's a neighbor, it's a big brother, it's an aunt or uncle, it's a coach, it, you know, whoever it is, but somebody that gets you out into it, you get immersed into it, you fall in love, you know, maybe it's hunting and fishing, maybe it's camping, maybe it's hiking, maybe it's kayaking, yeah. you know, maybe it's enjoying bird life, whatever, you know, but yeah, just, bird life, that's something I've gotten into. Is that right? You've become a birder? <laughs> well, no, no, yeah. no, no. I, I can identify a few species, but yeah. that's, you know, being, being down on the coast. You... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. There sure are a bunch of them down there. Yeah. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah, it, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So in fact, we were in your neck of the woods recently, I think I mentioned, you know, out, um, around Aransas Bay and, Again, every time you're on the coast, just fall in love with it yeah. over and over and over again. And the bird life is so rich and so diverse. Um, yeah. Gosh, people come from all over to enjoy it too, don't they? Well, it's a huge economic impact yeah. to the state. Yeah. Yes. I mean, for people all over the world, they want to you know punch their list. And, you bet. And so there's a lot of those species that are only coming through here. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got a bunch of them. You know, it's yeah. a bottleneck on the flyway. Yeah. Um, and so you know, whether it's hooping cranes or whatever, it's a, it's a, it's a great place to see them and enjoy them. Well, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, what's you know, parks and wildlife 
role in in protecting some of that coastal habitat that's so important yeah. for that flyway it's well, and you know, the department's been involved with that for a long time, you yeah. know, and so it's waterfowl and a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say some of the earliest um, underpinnings were focused more on the game species, you know, protecting habitat either for, you know, morning dove or white winged dove or waterfowl of all kinds, you know, and working with partner states and agencies all up and down the central flyway. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so, you know, the department has a number of wildlife management areas and parks that help to support those, those goals. Um, but if you look at, you know, what the department has done specifically on the coast, um, you know, there are lots and lots of sites that the department has helped protect, um, that, you know, the department may not own, you know, maybe it was helping to provide funding to acquire a conservation easement or support through the allocation of dollars that emanated from the, you know, catastrophic Deepwater Horizon incident mm-hmm. to expand the National Wildlife Refuges there at Aransas or Laguna Atascosa or, you know, up the coast at, at, at Anahuac. And so um, the department is very, very vested in that. And so yeah. migratory birds of all kinds is, you know, a very strong focus of the department and candidly protecting habitat for all wildlife. Um, right. You know, right. It's, it's not just one species. It's not that just one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's that's exactly right um and so you know certainly there are species that get a lot of attention single species and they should you know just because of say the sportsman's interest in deer for instance and what a huge economic generator that is what a big impact it has on rural lands in our state and rural economies um, and so there's always going to be that kind of focus. Maybe it's seagrass on the coast or oysters or red snapper or redfish or trout. You, <laughs> you know, brought up red you know, snapper. Yeah. There you go. So, so yeah. there's always going to be that. But, yeah. but, you know, I think the, the, the department has always been focused very holistically yeah. on all of those organisms, organisms that depend upon healthy habitats. Yeah. Um, and so that's important. Yeah. What... Um, you know, what do you think has been the this the trajectory in terms of conservation-minded citizens of Texas over the last your, your, during your tenure for yeah. the last fifteen years? I mean, what what have you felt? That, I think it's it? grown. Okay, I, mean, I just see more and more of an interest in conservation-related issues, mm-hmm. more of an awareness. I, I think a lot of that is just because of the accessibility of information, right? Yeah. I mean, just yeah. with all of the digital channels and social media and the salience of various environmental issues, I just think there's a lot more exposure to that. Yeah. Now, one thing that's that's interesting, and it's certainly, you know, I think a, a, a challenge and an opportunity for the department is that as the state has grown mm-hmm. appreciably, um, people's connection to the outdoors and to animals and nature, you know, has evolved. And so, you know, there's there's always been this foundation for a consumptive um, interest in in fish and wildlife, you know, the hunters and fishers, right? But I think um, there's a lot of other value sets that are out there in terms of the ways that people connect with fish and wildlife in the outdoors. And that's, you know, either again, through the way they choose to recreate to enjoy them in non-consumptive related ways, or how they think about the conservation of those animals. And the department is, you know, right there serving every single citizen of the state and trying to provide places and programs and services that 
not only benefit the fish and wildlife that the department is charged with protecting, but also the citizens um, yeah. that um, you know we're charged with serving and making sure have some kind of a, nex- a nexus and connection to that yeah. that mission. So that so that brings up you know this R three effort, uh-huh. which I want you to dig into, yeah. and this is a national effort. It's not mm. just it's not just Texas. You bet. Yeah. Um, so can you explain what R three is? And, and there's actually a fourth R, Megan has let us know that there's a fourth R. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you dig into w- yeah, what that of is? Of course. Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. That R3 movement is really, it transcends Texas. It transcends parks and wildlife. It's it's a national focus, you know, on recruitment, retention, reactivation of hunters, anglers, shooters, and boating enthusiasts. And it really is um, designed to help agencies, the the outdoor retail and manufacturing community, nonprofits, you know, all the partners really that work in the space of providing, you know, access and services and gear and programs to people that enjoy the the, the outdoors is thinking about the changing demographics of yeah. not just our state but our country and how do we effectively engage them? Um, how do we reach them? How do we communicate? What's the language that inspires them to get out and enjoy the, the outdoors? Yeah. And if you, you know, you look at the demographics of hunters, they kind of look just like me. I mean, you know, they're white middle-aged, you know, guys that, you know, kind of have a, a, a rural background or some rural background in their past. And so when we think about the sustainability of that, you know, we've got to think beyond that demographic if yeah. we're going to serve the diverse citizenry across the, the country. You know, you know what this <clears throat> great though, a great program talking about uh-huh. hunting is, is the adult hunting Yes, the mentored hunting. Yeah, mentored hunting. Yeah, isn't that great? Yes, it's terrific. Yes, yeah, because I, you know, I think that's exactly right, David. And I, you know, we see this in just a whole locavore related interest, and people are very interested in where their food comes from, and it's a terrific opportunity to connect. Um, you know, in this case, um, young adults with an opportunity on kind of a field to table experience, know where their their food is coming from, a healthy source of protein, be involved in the harvest of it, you know, the cleaning, the preparation, the cooking, and then the consumption. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. Um, And so it's interesting as you look at programs across the country associated, you know, particularly on the hunting side, some of the most successful have been ones that are that are you know based out of farmers markets, focused mm-hmm. on again uh, kind of the locavore related deal and mm-hmm. and kind of that twenty something early thirties again people wanting to have a connection to the land they're 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 conservation conscious but you know they didn't grow up with a background like you and I had yeah. in which we were exposed to the outdoors at a young age, taught to fish or hunt or enjoy that. And so that mentored hunting program helps to break down those barriers. It pairs guys like you and me or gals and then pairs them with young adults and then teaches them the A to Z about enjoy the outdoors safely and legally and ethically. And and so it's it's wonderful. Great, great feedback on that. Yeah. You know, I came to hunting as a a young adult. Uh I fished ever since I was, you know, could hold a Hold, yeah, but it came yeah. to hunting actually while I, while I was at Tech. Oh, and was I, that right? I had, yeah, uh-huh. I, had, I had a professor 
who wanted to get me involved. Uh-huh. And, and we, oh man, I, this first, my first shotgun, yeah, this, yeah. this, I don't know what it must have been, 32 inch heavy. <laughs> a, little, yeah, a little big. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little yeah. big for dove hunting. Yeah. 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 Um, was but, that what it was? It was a dove hunt out yeah, there on the camp rock? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, but you know, he got me into it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he just, uh, he took me under his wing, just showed me there you go. all along and, 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 and that was kind of it yeah, for me. It took. Yeah, it took. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, um, you just need, you know, those mentors to, you do. to bring people along. I, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's, you know, my dad was ranch raised and, um, and he, you know, all of his, all of his association with the ranch was all work. Right. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot of time for play. So yeah. he really wasn't a huge hunter, but he recognized, I love that. I was interested in it. And David, I'll never forget first deer hunt we went on at the ranch. I was about eight or nine bitterly cold December day <laughs> grandma welcome tried to, to the yeah welcome to the world yeah. yeah enjoy this you know and uh grandmother tried to talk us out of it said you know it's too cold and windy the deer weren't going to be moving of course she was right um but we <laughs> listened we, to the grandma. always yeah we climbed up in this mesquite tree and we were sitting at the edge of this oak patch and freezing absolutely freezing trying to convince myself I was having a great time and all of a sudden this Big Tom Bobcat walked out like 30 yards away, sat down in the middle of the Sendero and looked at us just without a care in the world. And I was hooked forever. Just yeah. thought, this is great. You yeah. get to see, isn't that the best part well, of it? You, that's the yeah. thing. You never know what you'll see. Yes. yes. You know, that's part yes. of the excitement. That wonderment. Yeah. 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 No, they You never know what will pop out. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. And I love that about yeah. it. Mother Nature has the best, best gifts, you know? You know, so we some of the things that I talk about, um, is, you know, the most aggressive numbers put 25 million more people in Texas by 2050. Yeah. Um, that's a lot more pressure on the land. Yeah. And the water and the water. Yeah. Um, but for our wildlife, you know, land is critically important. And so, you know, going forward, thinking about 2050, what is it that you know the department's already doing and that really you think needs to be carried on in order to keep those wild lands ranch working ranches wild. From, yeah wild yeah. and and you know the critical part of what texas is about sure for its wildlife sure. david i think you're you're um absolutely spot on with the you know thinking about that future growth because it's real it's yeah. inevitable the train has left the station. Yeah, we're, we're not. Texas. Yeah, exactly. No, I yeah. mean, and we've been an urban state, you know, really for 60 years, um, you know. Um, but, you know, we do have a lot of wild things and wild places. But 95% of our land, at least on the terrestrial side, is privately owned. Yeah. And so if we're going to be successful conserving it, protecting it, enhancing it, you know, taking care of this public resource that everybody gets to enjoy, even if that's just knowing it's there, we're going to have to work, you know, on a voluntary fashion with private landowners and incentivize them. And I think one of the best things the department has done from a state fish and wildlife agency is having a team of wildlife biologists across the state whose primary and overarching responsibility is to work voluntarily with private landowners on wildlife management plans, you know, learn what their goals are, what they want to accomplish and help provide assistance. And so, you know, right now the department has roughly 30 million acres under wildlife management plan. That's roughly 20% of the state. Um, And that's, I think also, David, indicative of the interest of landowners that have rural land. They're interested in the outdoors. They're interested in nature. 
But on the flip side, we lead the nation in the amount of rural land, farm and ranches that are lost to development. Yeah. And that's a an auspicious metric. Um, and so, you know, programs like the Department of Houses on the Texas Farm and Ranch Land Council, where we provide grants to land trust to buy conservation easements from yeah. um, willing sellers of those easements to protect farms and ranches is gonna be critical. And so there's a lot. So, so has that picked up? Has that momentum picked up yes. in interest on the on the on the landowner side? Yes. To, to get conservation easements and yeah. other. Okay. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Right. You know. I mean, that's a big decision. It's a permanent one. Yeah. Um, and so people need to tread cautiously right. and think very thoughtfully about what their their goals are. But yeah, we've seen an explosion of interest um, in in that. I think, you know, there's 30 or 40 land trusts around the the state um, doing some terrific work. Um, but, you know, whether they are, you know, preserving that land, you know, through conservation easements or just providing assistance to landowners to help meet their management goals from a habitat perspective, a yeah. game, a non-game, a nature, outdoor use and enjoyment is huge. Yeah. Flip side is making sure that the majority of our citizens, our neighbors, those who live in our state, can understand and appreciate that the fish and wildlife in our state largely reside on those private lands. And right. so making sure that that connection is there and they get that, you know, that's it's where the raindrops fall and yeah. the source of the water that yeah. we drink, the clean air, the fish and wildlife, most of the recreational opportunities. And I think that will continue to be a challenge as our state continues to grow and people become more and more detached from any kind of a connection to a rural land background or experience. Yeah. So the, the department's job is even becoming more um, important. Yeah, as a bridge. As a bridge to the future. Yeah. Critical. Yeah, I mean, I, my appreciation for um, what private lands can do for conservation on this, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to, you know, partake beyond yep. beyond private land see what you know yep. landowners are, are doing stewardship yeah, stewardship. yeah mm -hmm. absolutely so i've i've seen it firsthand yeah and uh but you're right we need to connect more people to that yes thinking about what that looks like going forward i think it's critical as we think about all those public values that emanate from private lands yeah. and make sure again the clean air that we breathe the clean water that we drink the wide open spaces that we enjoy the wildlife that we you know care about whether we hunt or not you know it's just most people have some kind of a intrinsic appreciation um, yeah. for that but in texas most of that is on private lands yeah now the flip side is you know we do have a fair amount of public water and you know and those are, those are <laughs> yes we do yeah to yeah. connect people to fish and boat yeah. and kayak and paddle yep. and get out and enjoy that whether it's on the bay or the gulf or a lake or a creek or a you know a river yeah. or whatever and 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 so and and also it's a great opportunity around where people live mm. you know small lakes urban lakes community fishing lakes yeah. um, and so i think the, the the work that the department does on grants to communities for local parks and paddling trails and boating access and hike and bike trails um, and fishing access related spots is can touch a lot of people in terms of helping them connect them to that part of the outdoors and consistent with those r3 goals well and and something that you keep bringing up is is these partnerships uh-huh yeah that, that you know parks and wildlife isn't doing it alone mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of partners in you this bet. and you know this i love this this quote and i'm, I'm paraphrasing here but I, th I think it was um 
Truman said this, and I think Reagan said, and others have said this, that it, it's amazing how successful you can be if you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now and granted, so, we, you know, you want the credit, but, sure. you, but you don't have to do it all alone. You I think it's, it yeah. shouldn't and can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's too big. Yeah. It's too big. It's too complicated. It's multi-layered. You know, you need partnerships at every level. Yeah. Um, you know, government is not the be all end all. And, um, and, and, and the reason I think the department has been successful is because of a recognition of that is, you know, whether it's a private landowner partner is helping to support their stewardship of their land, yeah. whether it's partnerships with universities, you know, like A&M Corpus and the Heart Research Institute to generate science to help inform and guide management decisions, partnerships with Ducks Unlimited or CCA to restore waterfowl habitat or to protect our coastal habitats. All of that, um, David, to me is is essential and yeah. critical and imperative um, if we're going to achieve, you know, goals about conservation, but also providing outdoor recreational opportunities um, and that synergy and leveraging strengths. I, I think it's a yeah. it's a success. Yeah. You know, the key to success for sure. Good. Yeah. So Texas Parks and Wildlife, a unique model that really may does, maybe doesn't exist anywhere else in the in the country. Can you talk about the value in that? Yeah, I see. And the challenges. And the challenges. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. No, and I see huge strengths in it. Um, you know, and states organize their fish and wildlife in parks and marine programs and law enforcement very differently. There's all kinds of models that are out there. And there are a few states like Colorado Parks and Wildlife, which recently merged um, oh. those departments together in, let's say, the last five or six, seven years. Montana has that. Um, we've had that since 1963. Mm -hmm. So we've had a long history with it. And I think it works great, you know, because, you know, parks are so outwardly facing. You know, 10 million people come to the parks every year. And yeah. so it provides a lot of visibility yeah. for the department. But it also creates synergies with, you know, the fish and wildlife biologists and managers to be able to work on those public lands, reach um, larger audiences. Having the law enforcement team part of the agency is also critical just because that's a critical part of the, you know, the multi-legged stool for yeah. which, you know, we take care of fish and wildlife. And so, um, you know, sure, there are challenges with funding and some of the money not being fungible in a lot of different constituencies, not all of whom agree about how things ought to be done. And that's fine. <laughs> you know, it reflects the plurality of our state. Yeah. But, but overall, that integration, the synergy, the different strengths of that, I think, um, really help foster more opportunities for conservation, more opportunities for recreation, and also more opportunities for public support. Mm. And particularly, as we talk about notions of recruitment and retention and reactivation and relevancy to people from, you know, different places and, and diverse backgrounds. Yeah. Um, David, I see it as a huge, huge strength, yeah. um, but it is unique, yeah. um, not singularly unique, but it is unique. The, you know, the scale and size um, and the fact that we've got a big coast and that responsibility um, tends to make it more unique than, than other places. Right. But overall, a huge value add to the to the mission and the work in our state. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I one of the things that excites me about this job is the fact that parks is Part of it. Part of it. Yeah. 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 And here you are. I mean, you know, you're coming on board and you're going to be helping to lead and celebrate the centennial. <laughs> yeah. What a deal. Yeah. What I know. a deal. Amazing, I mean, a hundred huh? years of that. Yeah. 
I and of course, you know, you know, remember when the national park system turned a hundred a few years ago? Yeah, Ken yeah. Burns did that wonderful mm-hmm. documentary and a year long celebration of those treasures. Yeah, um, I, I'm so happy for you to be coming into this position where you know you and the department are going to have a chance to celebrate just a huge milestone. And well, you're you're going to be around. We're going to be pulling I, well, you back. We're going to be pulling you back into some. Of that. Well, listen, I'll be hiking on the trails, keeping yeah. out. And, so, and you'll not, be you'll be writing me saying, hey, this trail needs yeah, some work, yeah, David. Right. Exactly. No, you don't have to worry about advice from the cheap seats. No, you're safe from me on that. I can't promise you from others, but yeah, yeah. at least from me, right. you'll just have a fan yeah. cheering from the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I want to close out with a couple of things. The first is some of your, you know best memories that being in this position for the last 15 years i mean i know there's a lot yeah yeah i yeah. mean do you, do you have some that that stand out I, I know you've probably been asked a lot about this <laughs> lately well you know it's it's you know pick a space pick a specter pick a pick a topic you know it's just you know um it, you know it hadn't all been all blue skies and blue bonnets there's no there's no doubt about that you know i will say the um, securing the constitutional dedication for the park uh-huh. funding was huge yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was such a big lift. It was a really a decades long push and aspiration by so many. Yeah. But then to see the people of the state turn out just so overwhelmingly to support that was a was a wonderful reaffirmation of what you know you just said about your excitement for the parks and in mm. that part of the, the the work that you'll be doing leading the the agency and it was a good reminder about um, how much the public cares about this stuff and the value yeah. they put it on so I have to say that was incredibly um, exciting you know I'll pick a couple other things um, you know the acquisition of the Powderhorn Ranch was pretty special yeah, yeah. you know it's just yeah. not not um, every day you have a chance to do something that impactful partnership, terrific public-private partnership. Yeah. You know, you think about the opportunity to protect 10 miles of frontage along Matagorda Bay and Powderhorn Lake and oyster reefs and seagrass beds and this amazing yeah. coastal prairie and habitat for, uh, you know, hooping cranes and redhead ducks and then all of the terrestrial game species that are associated with it. And then, you know, candidly, not only the protection, but the stewardship that has ensued from our biologists and the work of the Parks and Wildlife Foundation. Just amazing, the work that's happened. Partners. Partners. Yeah. And then the public gets to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fact that it's open, most of it's open now as a wildlife management area in a, in a just a very sought after public hunting destination. Um, and then in a few years, you know, you'll be opening the state park side of that and people will be able to enjoy that shoreline and those wind swept and sculpted <laughs> oaks, fish, yeah. hike, bird yeah. watch, enjoy yeah. the night skies. What a gift. Yeah. What a gift. Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. <laughs> Mosquitoes <laughs> on the coast. Take yeah. your repellent. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's Small right. price to pay yeah. for uh, beauty on the coast. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, things like that, David, to me, very special um, and could pick a bunch of those and, 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 and eat up your entire podcast with that in the next 10. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something that um, I've treasured about this job is to get to see and experience so many wonderful things 
visit virtually every corner of the state mm. and work with a team that's so passionate about what they do yeah. and are so competent and capable. You yeah. know, that's just what a what a gift to work for a bunch of public servants that are so mission driven, yeah. so technically proficient and get to work on something that is generational in scope and scale. Um, you know, what an that's opportunity right. from a career perspective. That's right. Because yeah. what you've done and your team have done over the last 15 years is going to be here for the next thousand. Your kids, mine, yeah. Yeah. you know, theirs after that, yeah. you know, and, and that's a being able to think about that kind of an impact. Yeah, yeah, it can make you teary-eyed. Well, I mean, yeah. this is, and this is what I talked about, you know, this is that, that implementation side yes. that you can actually do something on the ground or in the water. Or in the water. Yeah. 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 You're restoring habitats. You're protecting yeah. habitats. You know, you're working with public and private partners. You know, you're helping to connect people with the outdoors and nature, giving them places to go, making sure the fish and wildlife continue to thrive and prosper. You know, having parks and wildlife management areas, you know, stewarding the hatcheries, which play such a critically important mm -hmm. role in producing fish for people to be able to enjoy. And the list is a long one. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I have the list. Yeah, yeah. and it's growing <laughs> it's by the grow, day. It's growing by yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. to-do list. It, it, well, here's the good news. It never ends. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> it's and so there's exciting. always something. Yeah. yeah, there's always something. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, end here um, with a uh, series of final questions that we've asked our previous two guests. And it's partially adapted from James Lipton, who was... Uh, Actor studio um, would have people come on, and he would ask this series of, of, of questions. I've modified it for my my own interests. Yeah. And so these are just, you know, quick, top of mind. What what comes to uh, to to your top of your head really quickly here. So the first one, what was the first impactful interaction with the great outdoors that you remember? Seeing that bobcat, that was just it. amazing. Yeah. yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. So vivid, so special so impactful it just curated a deep love for you know kind of wild things and wild places yeah just treasure it forever there you go what sound or noise do you hate uh i hate the sound of uh planes going over me when i'm in the outdoors <laughs> i just love the quiet and solitude yeah. you know nothing against yeah. planes it's just um, I'm there for the, the yeah. quiet. Yeah, it's hard yeah. sometimes to get away from that. Even yeah. and as a guy who's kind of loud, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't be throwing rocks in glass <laughs> houses. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Oh gosh, you know I love the sound of screech owls. Um, mm. and just treasure that in the evening and love to sit outside, you know, on the porch or the deck and and, and hear that. It just it it takes me to a good place. Good. Um, the sound of a bobwhite quail uh, whistling um, is a. <laughs> Is, 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 I wouldn't say it's a close second. It's right there with the sound of a screech owl. Okay. I just love that call. It's just something kind of primal about it. Just just makes me feel great. Um, what is your least favorite word? Least favorite word? Um, can't. What is your favorite word? Can. You know, Greg Stuns. That was that was his too, right? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love it. I'm, I'm in great company. I, that's that's good to know. It's I hold him in the highest regard, as you know. Um, what other profession would you rather be in than the one you're in now? There's nothing I'd rather do. Yeah. Really, it's hard to pick a pick a second one. If it was going to be something else, um, and I'll have that opportunity shortly, I'll be gainfully unemployed, uh, is, um, you know, I, I, I just doing something with the land and the outdoors yeah. is very important to me. 
yeah. um, whatever that is, yeah. you know. And so, you know, at some point I thought about following uh, family members in, in, in ranching. Um, but, you know, I was always the kid that was interested in the bullfrogs and the quail and the wild hogs and was, you know, kind of worthless uh, on a horse. So, you, you weren't going to be focused yeah, on that. Yeah, no, no. So, so um, but, but yeah, something, something, something with the land. land. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the final question, what excites you about the future? You know, I, I, I love seeing like, like, like my son. Um, mm. I love just seeing the excitement in his eyes when we're outdoors. And, I, and, and in this position, I've had a chance to see that in a lot of people that have been introduced to the outdoors of all ages. Yeah. And to me, you know, seeing that kind of fire burning brightly and thinking about, you know, this department and its partners help to stoke that, ignite it. Um, foster it um, to me it just gives me great hope I'm an optimist by nature I'm a glass is half full there you go that's the way I see the world and so thinking about how the future generation will take this and leave it better than how we left it to them that excites me Carson thank you thank you yeah what a treat thanks for listening to the Gulf Stream if you enjoyed this episode You can help make a difference in the Gulf by contributing to the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies research and efforts to create healthier coastal and marine ecosystems. Visit heartresearch.org, that's H-A-R-T-E research.org for more information. Please note, the views and opinions expressed by guests of the Gulf Stream do not necessarily reflect the views of the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies or Texas A&M University Corpus Christi. It is our mission to be an honest broker, providing only science-based solutions to Gulf of Mexico problems and other environmental issues. This podcast is intended to provide our guests with a safe and open forum for them to express themselves freely.